Films, and welcome to Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. And before we begin, I guess I got a, a small apology in order for you. So this episode was supposed to be kind of our ensemble piece, but I'm not quite done editing. I've got several people that I've interviewed, and it's fantastic. You're going to love it. It's going to come out in just a couple of days. But I felt really, really horrible because I owe you something. So this is a little bit of a bonus episode. And this time around, we're going to do something similar to what we did earlier this month, where I did my top 31 80s horror films. This time around, I'm going to give you my top 31 90s horror films. Why? Well, again, I'm not done with the other one. That's that, that's the main reason. And two, the feedback that you all have given me for that 80s horror list has been pretty remarkable. Now, granted, a lot of it was because you guys wanted to shit on my list, but that's okay. Of uh, No, in all seriousness, you guys were really supportive of that list. And so while we're waiting for me to just finish wrapping up that ensemble piece that I've got coming for you, and it's going to come out on Monday, I've decided so. I mean, granted, it's all relative. You may be listening to this on a Monday now, in which case that episode is available too. But regardless, that ensemble piece will be coming. You're going to love it. It's incredible. But I still felt like I owed you something. So that's what we're going to do. Now, like the previous time around, I'm going to maintain basically those same rules where I'm not really going to do sequels. I'm what else? What was another one of those rules? I'm pretty sure I had a couple more rules. Oh, films that I felt were more action-y than horror films don't really count. But I actually, you know, you know what? This time around, there's a little bit more gray area, to be perfectly honest with you. Just because of the fact the 90s, it was a different, different era in cinema. And the, and the films certainly, certainly show that. So this list is going to be kind of all over the place. So regarding rules, let's just assume there are no rules. It's the 90s, right? Uh, a little less rigid, but we'll see. We'll see what you have to say. So we're going we're gonna to do my top 31. I will have a few honorable mentions. I will have a few not so honorable mentions. Um, I will list a few like international films because with this list, all the movies that made it are U.S. releases or at least North American releases. To my knowledge, there might be an exception in there, but I don't believe so. But that being said, there were still a few international movies that, quite frankly, certainly would have cracked the top 31, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, there you go. Let's get into it. We're going to start off number 31 with the best worst movie ever made, and that would be Troll 2. Now, if you grew up in the the era that I did, Troll 2 was a film, well, one, it's terrible. I mean, it's regarded as a best worst movie. There's a fantastic documentary about it being the best worst movie. But in the early 90s, this movie was all over HBO. It was huge in a remarkably bad way. If you haven't ever seen Troll 2, I'm not going to say anything about it other than the fact that there are no trolls in this movie. It's, it's quite amazing. That a movie that technically is called Troll 2, which is supposed to be a sequel on Troll 1, but it's not a sequel at all, which is why it did make the list. But again, 
It's not a good movie, but I had to put this movie on the list because it is so distinctly 90s. So Troll 2, number 31. Number 30 is a little indie Canadian film where, if memory serves, let's see, people like awaken to find themselves like in this inescapable cube. And of course, I'm talking about the film Cube. Number 29, this is going to be the greatest television miniseries of all time. And of course, of course, that would be It, starring the amazing Tim Curry. Of course, other people are in it as well. Um, a lot of people, now that I think about it, I'm just seeing, I'm seeing all their faces, so I'm not going to get into their names. But anyway, It, love it, saw it as a kid, terrified me, freaking loved it. Tim Curry rocks. Number 29, it. Number 28 would be the Quentin Tarantino slash Robert Rodriguez heist slash vampire flick, and that would be From Dusk Till Dawn. Now, if you're a fan of Tarantino, this movie literally has all of his favorite isms. It's got a great soundtrack. It has a lot of profanity, um, bloodiness to it. And of course, there's a lot of feet shots and in fact quentin tarantino gets to drink booze off of feet so you know that was like his ultimate like moment there and of course it didn't hurt that it was selma hayek too so yeah kind of like checks all the boxes for quentin tarantino but anyway number 28 uh from dusk till dawn a lot of fun i remember seeing this movie in the theater and i knew it was a vampire film going into it but i kind of forgot because the first hour and change there's no hint that it's going to become a vampire film, but then it happens. But I, it really like tapped into like, kind of like my teen, like angst or not even teen angst, but just like, yeah, just my, my teenage brain just ate it up. And so of course I like wanted to invite like all my friends. I was able to convince my best friend at the time. Her name was Jody. Like you have to see this movie with me. She saw it. And I think she thought I was the biggest idiot because she didn't quite I'm not going to say she didn't get it. She probably didn't get it, but didn't think it was very good. But anyway, whatever. This is my list, not hers. Sorry. I love you, Jody. Anyway, number 28 from Dusk Till Dawn. Number 27 is a movie also with a really cool soundtrack, and that would be the 1999 Stir of Echoes starring Kevin Bacon. Speaking of Kevin Bacon, I think this will be the first of several sightings you're going to see of him on this list. What else did Stir of Echoes have? Um, well, I mentioned the soundtrack. You also have Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones. You've got the song Hello by Poe. Poe was huge back then. I wonder where Poe is. I loved her. Um, oh, and you also had an early, early appearance of Jennifer Morrison, who would then, you know, go on to play whatever her character was on House and whatever her character is in Once Upon a Time, I think is what it's called. But anyway, 27, Sarah Echoes. Number 26, we've got the Tim Burton. This, I think this movie came out in 99. Sleepy Hollow. Not a lot to really tell you about that one. We all know the story. Story of the Headless Horseman and Ichabod Crane. But of course, Ichabod Crane is not a teacher like he was in the cartoon or the book, but in more of a, uh, a what was it? He was like, I don't know, like scientist. I can't remember. What was he? I don't know. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. Maybe it shouldn't have made the list, but I remember, I remember really enjoying it. And Christopher Walken was freaking incredible. And I enjoyed the special effects at the time. So yeah, gonna throw Sleepy Hollow on the list. You may think it's not a total horror film. That's fine. 
create your own list. This is mine. I said that twice. I feel like I'm kind of angry today, but I'm really not. I'm not angry. I also feel like I'm talking really fast. Let me take a deep breath. Anyway, 26, Sleepy Hollow. Number 25, The People Under the Stairs. Uh, let's see. If you haven't seen it, this is a Wes Craven film. What else do you need to know? It messed me up as a kid. That's one. Uh, A.J. Langer was in it, and A.J. Langer would go on to play, who was it, Rayanne Graff on My So-Called Life? You know, My So-Called Life, the, the film, or the film, the television show that launched Claire Danes' career. And yeah, I was a big fan of that. But anyway, People Under Stairs, number 25. Number 24 is a film with yet another incredible soundtrack. You know, I might even do another list of just like the best soundtracks of the 1990s. Actually, I think I will do that. I might, you know what? I'll probably have to reach out to my buddy, Rob. Rob's a huge, huge music guy. He'd probably enjoy that, being on that list. Anyway, I digress. Lost Highway, the David Lynch nightmare of a film. God, that movie. So, so messed up. Do you remember Marilyn Manson was in that film? Freaking wild. Anyway, number 24, Lost Highway. Number 23, In the Mouth of Madness. Now, this movie starred Sam Neill. And I got to tell you, dude, like, I know that we all loved him in Jurassic Park and to a lesser extent, Jurassic Park 3. And he was great in Dead Calm. But damn if Sam Neill isn't one of, like, the scariest dudes ever. It was just something creepy. I think it's his eyes. Do you remember he also he also did like this weird, was it a car commercial? And like he was trying to sell cars in this commercial, but I gotta tell you, he like terrified me. Like, I don't want to buy a car. I don't want to buy this brand. Sam Neill's fucking terrifying. But anyway, in the mouth of madness, John Carpenter flick. Uh, what else do you need to know? Jurgen Prock now plays this writer, Sutter Kane. And we get an appearance of a very, very young Hayden Christensen who plays a paper boy, Hayden Christensen, obviously, would go on to play Anakin Skywalker in the, the, uh, the Star Wars prequels, or two of the three of them anyway. So number 23, In the Mouth of Madness. Number 22, Interview with a Vampire. Again, another kind of like gray area film, if it's a, a horror film or not. But seeing the fact that it deals with vampires and there's a lot of blood and it's kind of depressing, it made the list. Uh, fun fact. Now, if you're familiar with this movie, then you already know who's in it, right? Tom Cruise, Antonio Banderas, Brad Pitt, Christian Slater, Kirsten Dunst. But another person who was supposed to be in it was River Phoenix. He was actually going to play the role that would then go on to Christian Slater. But because he, you know, obviously uh, died outside of the Viper Room, he was unable to, to do it. So. He got recast. But anyway, yeah, River Phoenix. That would have been like his final final film. Number 21. Ooh, I said there were no international films. This is quite international. This is like a New Zealand film. And that would be the very early Peter Jackson film, Dead Alive, which this movie makes the list because it has one of like the gnarliest VHS covers of all time. I remember seeing it at Blockbuster and it freaking terrified me. Um, What was it? How do we, what do I want to say? Basically, this is a story of the rat monkey that bites somebody and then kind of like a uh, zombie apocalypse kind of like takes over this like family. Um, 
hysterical. Obviously, Peter Jackson does a lot of great horror type stuff, but also a lot of comedy. It also won't be the only time Peter Jackson is referenced on this list. And number 20, speaking of people eating people, that would be the late 90s Ravenous starring Guy Pierce, Robert Carlyle, um, and several other people actually come to think of it. But what do you need to know about this movie? Well, it takes place in, I believe, the Civil War at an outpost. And you've got some uh, cannibalism. Yeah, we'll just uh, leave it there. If that whets your appetite, pun intended. Number 29 would be our second appearance by Kevin Bacon, and that would be the early 90s, maybe 1990, maybe 1991, Flatliners, which also starred Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts, Oliver Platt, one of the Baldwin brothers. And this is the film where med students basically ask the questions, what happens when you die? And in this movie, these different med students take, their uh, take turns essentially killing themselves with the intention of bringing themselves back, but to find out what happens when they die. And while some of the, I'm not going to spoil it, but when somebody comes back from the dead, they bring something back with them. Loved it. And I think this movie had me from like the opening line of the film where Kiefer Sutherland says, today is a good day to die. So number 19. Number 18 will be a, a gory film, but with a lot, a lot of funny. And that would be the mid-90s Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. And we've got yet another kick-ass soundtrack um, with this film. I think we get an early appearance of Hey Man, Nice Shot by Filter. What else? William Sadler is in it, and he kicks amazing ass in the film. Billy Zane's in it, and this might be Billy Zane's most badass role ever he's he's so good i mean he's always great but this movie he's especially awesome i remember when i saw this movie i would have been 15 or 16 i was living in bermuda and i saw it at this movie theater that we had down there and with all my friends and i just remember thinking this is great like great with it like a capital g r-e-a-t great because I was a huge, huge fan of the Tales from the Crypt series on HBO. And then when they did this movie, I'm like, hell yeah. And it didn't disappoint. It's a little bit harder to find these days, but if you can get your hands on it, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. Speaking of recommending films, number 17, I'm going to recommend The Frighteners, Peter Jackson's film, part two on the list. God, what, I mean... Honestly, I don't even know what to say about this movie other than it's darn near perfect. I love it. It's um, yeah, it's a movie that I that I watch once a year or every other year or something. Uh, fun fact: What can I say is a fun fact? Oh, fun fact! I guess I could say is that this is the movie that inspired me to cut my hair. And what I mean by that is, up until when, when this movie came out what, 96, 97, 98, thereabouts, I had like long, long hair. Now the look I was trying to go for was like Kurt Cobain, but I, what I really looked like was one of the dudes from Hanson. So that kind of like killed the ego. But this movie came out and I loved it. And I was a big fan of what Michael J. Fox did with his hair. So I cut it and kind of uh, did the Michael J. Fox hair from, from this movie for a couple of years. Yeah. I told you nothing about the movie, but whatever. 
Uh, that's number 17, The Frighteners. Number 16 is our second appearance by Sam Neill, and that would be from Event Horizon. Sam Neill's still terrifying, but this time he's terrifying in space. So check that one out if you want Sam Neill to creep you out. Number 15 would be Bram Stoker's Dracula. What do you need to know about it? Well, Winona Ryder was dreamy. Gary Oldman was freaking perfect. Francis Ford Coppola did a really, really cool job with this film. The, I mean, the look is fantastic. And then we've got Keanu Reeves with a, uh, a very interesting accent choice in the movie, I think. But whatever. Uh, another fun fact, Monica Bellucci, the, the amazingly gorgeous Monica the amazingly gorgeous Monica Bellucci has a small appearance as one of Dracula's kind of like vampire hotties. And number 14, we've got Jacob's Ladder. Now, I saw this movie when I was roughly 11 years old, and I got enticed to watch it because I remember this was like a movie that I saw like as a coming attraction on a VHS I had rented. I'm like, well, that's cool. It has Macaulay Culkin in it. Let me check it out. No. Wasn't ready. I, you know what? Actually, come to think of it, I'm not sure I'm still ready to watch it. But when I think of this movie, the, the very first thing I think of is that kind of like ice bath scene where Tim Robbins is just like heating up and he's just like so hot and his like temperature is through the roof and they put him like literally like in an ice bath. And I think he's like saying it's too hot. I don't know. Again, I haven't seen this movie in damn near 30 years, but it left a lasting impression. I'll tell you that. Number Number 13 is Kate Fear. And this has Nick Nolte and Juliette Lewis and a very, very terrifying Robert De Niro. Did Robert De Niro make the list in any other films? Actually, this might be the first Robert De Niro quote unquote horror film that I've got on this one or the previous list. That can't be right. He's done other scary things, I think. I don't know. I'll have to come back to that one. Anyway, number 13, Cape Fear. Number 12, we've got the little spider flick called Arachnophobia. Now, fun fact on this movie, I, I think I saw this on the last day of seventh or the last day of eighth grade. Now, like when I was in like middle school, final day of school, like teachers don't want to do any teaching. So they just like sit everybody down and say, all right. We ain't got anything else here. Watch this movie. And that movie was arachnophobia In hindsight. I don't know if that movie would play if they were to make that movie today, if that movie would play very well for uh, a classroom filled of uh, like 12 year old kids. I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty freaking terrifying. It's funny too, though, but what else do you need to know about that film? Hmm. Jeff Daniels is in it. And Am I crazy or has Jeff Daniels been like, I don't know, like 38 for like 40 years? He seems to be like the same age all the time. But I think like that, that wheelhouse is he's somewhere between like 38 and 45. At least that's what it feels like to me. Number 11. Eh, you know, maybe, I'm, maybe it's just me. Anyway, number 11, we've got Army of Darkness. Now... This movie isn't super scary, but you've got Deadites and 
Sam Raimi, and it's not quite a true. No, no, I take that back. It is. It's it's a true. It's a true sequel. So I just violated my rule of no sequels. But whatever. This one make, gets an exception because it's without a doubt the most quotable movie on the list. So yeah, number eleven, Army of Darkness. Number ten is probably a movie you've likely never seen. Oh, I guess this one also kind of counts as an international film because this is a movie that was made in Scotland. If not Scotland, definitely it was in England. And that would be the early, early Danny Boyle film, Shallow Grave. If you've never seen this movie, do yourself a favor, find it. I don't, I don't think it's streaming anywhere, so you might have to rent it from, I don't know, like Apple or prime or if you've got a local video store find it i know it's available on criterion so if you really want kind of like a cool detailed look on that film definitely check it out but anyway the story of shallow grave follows three roommates and they need a fourth they finally get a fourth roommate and he mysteriously dies i guess it's not really mysteriously he ods he ods and leaves behind a suitcase filled with money and there becomes a question what do we do with this suitcase full of money? Do we turn it into the authorities? Do we spend it? Do we hang on to it? And well, the decisions that they make inevitably affect what happens in the rest of the movie. And it goes from dark to darker, as you may guess with the title called Shallow Grave. But anyway, definitely check it out. Number 10. Number nine we have Wes Craven's New Nightmare. It's a new nightmare, so it's not really a sequel. It's really not a sequel because in this uh, universe of Freddy Krueger, we're no longer in that world. In fact, what we now know of within Wes Craven's New Nightmare, those old Nightmare on Elm Street films were films. So we're now kind of like in a new reality and quite literally a reality. That makes no sense. You know what? Don't listen to me. Go back and listen to my podcast I did with DeAndre Laser back last October. We covered this film really, really good. One of my more popular podcast episodes. But man, I love Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Number eight is our third and final Kevin Bacon appearance. And that would be the masterpiece, the Ron Underwood masterpiece, Tremors. Yes, yes. Again, Tremors isn't quite a horror. It's more of an action movie, but I don't care. Again, this is the 90s. No rules. Uh, Tremors makes the cut because it's freaking fantastic. I don't even have to say anything about Tremors. I say Tremors, and you all know the movie I'm talking about, right? Number seven is the film Candyman. I'm only going to say that title once. I don't even care if there's a mirror anywhere near me. You'll, you'll never get me to say it five times. I don't think I've ever said it five times, but the story of a guy, a guy and his hook. And I think I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it with that. Number six is a film that I safely can say boasted the best film marketing campaign ever. And that would be 1999's Blair Witch Project. Just missed the top five, just missed the top five, but certainly a top 10 film. And oh my God, what a phenomenon this film was when it first came out. It people thought it was real, like legit thought this was real. 
And it might have had to do with the fact there up until this time, there hadn't been a lot of like found footage films. There may have been a couple, but they certainly weren't in the mainstream. And when this movie came out, it it was huge. And the movie had like no budget whatsoever. And it made like like billion dollars in the box office. I'm you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it made a ton, a ton of movie. And it was, it legit was a cultural phenomenon. So number six, Blair Witch. Blair Witch was probably the biggest phenomenon, like culturally. But if there was a film that probably had an even bigger, like word of mouth, that'd be our number five film, The Sixth Sense. So let me tell you a little something about this movie. When this movie came out, I was working at a movie theater. It was right before I joined the United States Navy. And for a few months, I was working at a movie theater. Now, before the movie would release on a Friday, the, the screen prints would come in on either like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And what we would do is after like the last showing of whatever film was going on, the, like the Tuesday night or the Wednesday night, we would screen a movie. It would usually be around like midnight. And I still remember when I screened this film, that moment where she drops the ring and you put it all together was just iconic. There were probably six people, like just six of us that worked in the theater that were all right there. And we were like, oh shit, that's, that's unreal. And I remember thinking to myself, this movie is going to be huge. Because at that time, if we would have saw this movie on a two, like Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, there wasn't Rotten Tomatoes. You know, like people didn't know. You'd have to wait for the critic. A lot of people weren't checking this stuff on the internet. And so, and when this movie came out, like Bruce Willis was like the, the main draw, but Bruce Willis was a little like spotty. He wasn't necessarily a sure thing in the box office. So nobody knew this movie was going to have the success that it did. But, and I'm going on a little bit longer, but I, I, think, I think this story is kind of important because this film and this film being Blair, um, <laughs> Blair Witch, this film being success is one of the few films that grossed more, um, grossed more money in its second week versus its first week. Now, that doesn't happen where a movie will gross maybe like 15 million or something. And then the next weekend, it grows like 25, 35. Now my, my, my numbers might be wrong and maybe I'm completely full of shit, but I think I'm right. I feel really confident in that. Hold on. We're going to, we're going to do this live together. I'm going to do the sixth sense box office. So now we are box office mojo. That's a great website, by the way. Yeah, here we go. This is this is this is crazy. So it came out on August 6th, right? That Saturday, it grows 9.6 million. The next Saturday, it grows 10 million. So it actually increased what it did in its first week. And what's nuttier than that, in its third week on that on that Saturday, it grossed 9.8 million. And again, the first Saturday, it grossed 9.6. One of those rare, rare films where it grossed more money 
in subsequent weeks. And the whole reason why it did that was because of word of mouth. People were telling everybody, you need to see this film. The ending is going to blow your mind. And of course, when you tell people the ending is going to blow your mind, you're, you're going to figure it out like, well, there's obviously going to be a twist at the end. So the word of mouth kind of spoiled it for a lot of people. So I, I take enormous uh, satisfaction that I saw it before anybody told me anything about this film. And that's why it makes my number five. Now, number four is a film that definitely shocked me in a different way. I remember seeing it with my sister. I also saw this in the theater, but I saw it with my sister. And I'll never forget her reaction at the twist at the end of this film. And that would be the David Fincher 7, starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Spacey, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, I think everybody listening to this probably have seen the film 7. And if not, you know about the film 7. And you've at least probably heard say somebody say, What's in the box? So yeah, you, our back-to-back films, we've got a couple twist endings right there. So number four, seven. Number three, I guess you can say this as a bit of a twist end at the end too, and that would be the film Scream, which came out in 1996. Again, another film I saw in the movie theater. I guess something that a lot of these films have in common is I, I saw many of them in the movie theater. And... Uh, yeah, this this was a uh, perfect. You know, I was in high school. This movie was about high school kids, and I I saw a film. I was watching a film on on camera that was extremely self aware, and I felt the movie was made literally for me. Like the the characters are talking about these horror worlds and these rules of horror films. And I'm just like nodding my head, like yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely right, a hundred percent. I'm just like I, I felt that this is a movie like that the screenwriter literally wrote as a love letter to me. You know, like I, I took this film like very personally. And I still love this movie so much. You know, it, it's it's a great and not only, you know, does it is it very self-aware, but it's also a really good like mystery slasher horror film. And it's another Wes Craven film. I, I can't remember if that's his third or fourth film that's made this list. But damn, man, Scream, so good. Now, I know the sequels haven't been able to live up to how great the original one was, but the sequels are pretty good, too. You know, I am really looking forward to January when the fifth installment of Scream is going to be released. So we'll see. We'll see. Fingers across. That's a good film. But anyway. Number two. We've got a little movie called Misery. And with this film, we finally have an Oscar winner. There may, let me look, I don't think any, yeah, I don't think there were any other films or performances on the list that had any Oscar winners on them from performance wise. But anyway, number two, Misery, Kathy Bates. Oh my God. Like Annie, (laughs) one of the, most terrifying characters ever written, but damn, she's, she's, she's so good. And James Kahn was great in the film. Like their chemistry was, was, was just top notch. So number two, misery. Number one is another Oscar winning film. And of course, actually, you know what, before I say what number one is, we have to go back and uh, 
look at some of these honorable mentions that didn't quite make the list, right? So few films didn't make the list this, uh, this time around, and that would be the film, the Stephen King film, Sleepwalkers, which it's not great, although like Machin Emic or Amik Machin Emic, I think it's Machin Emic. No, Machin Emic. That's got to be it. Anyway, whatever. However you pronounce her name. Whew. Like I was in eighth grade, I believe, when I saw this movie, and I just thought she was dreamy. Loved her. And she worked in a movie theater, as I recall. So maybe that could have been another thing that I that I loved about her. Anyway, I think this might be like a therapy session, right? I'm talking a lot about like working in movie theater, going to see a lot of movies in the theater, talking a little bit about music. Um, anyway, let's just move on with the list. So we had that as an honorable mention. Tales from the Dark Side was an honorable mention. There, it probably isn't the best anthology film, but there were still some good stories in there. Like there was one that had uh, C. Buscemi in it. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not even going to get into for the sake of time. Another Tales film that didn't make the list, Tales from the Hood. I mean, come on, you got to throw it up to Tales from the Hood. That was good. A not so honorable mention goes out to these, we'll call them wannabe scream films. And that would be, I know what you did last summer, the faculty, urban legend, et cetera, et cetera. What was it like uh, teaching Mrs. Tingle or whatever, all those films that really tried to be kind of like scream. They don't make the list. Now there were a few honorable international films that didn't make the list, but if I were to do it all over again, they would find their way somewhere in the top 31. And that would be Ringu, The Ring, the, the Japanese version of The Ring, the original. Audition, which I'm not going to say anything. Just watch the, film, uh, watch the film Audition. The less you know about it, the better the, the reveal will be for you. And uh, the movie Kronos. So we got those as honorable mentions. Now, before... I round out the list. I did have another, another, we'll say three films. I wanna, I wanna say, although they didn't make the list, I just I know I would like stab myself like well in the back if I didn't mention them. And that'll be the Exorcist three, which is so good. It just it, it didn't make the list. I kind of this film got punished because it was obviously a direct sequel to the original exorcist and i had kind of like my rule on no sequels another film that kind of got punished because of a sequel will be gremlins 2 the new batch but what i may do with gremlins 2 it didn't make the list for the top 31 horror films from the 1990s but it damn well may be the the best film of its entire decade, right? I I can't say enough about Gremlins 2. Listeners, if you want to be on this podcast and you love this film, hit me up because I would love to talk about Gremlins 2, the new batch. But anyway, it, again, it did make the list because it was a sequel. Now, a couple comedies I could have maybe put on the list, but I didn't would be Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I'm a big fan of, and the zombie flick, My Boyfriend's Back. So anyway, You've heard me list a bunch of movies that didn't make the list. Let's run through the movies that did make it before I uh, reveal my, my overall number one, which should be pretty obvious at this point. Anyway, 31, Troll 2, 30, Cube, 29, It, 28, From Dusk Till Dawn, 27, Stir of Echoes, 26, Sleepy Hollow, 
25, The People Under the Stairs. 24, Lost Highway. 23, In the Mouth of Madness. 22, Interview with a Vampire. 21, Dead Alive. 20, Ravenous. 19, Flatliners. 18, Tales from the Crypt. 17, The Frighteners. 16, Event Horizon. 15, Bram Stoker's Dracula. 14, Jacob's Ladder. 13, Cape Fear. 12, Arachnophobia. 11, Army of Darkness. 10, Shallow Grave. Again, check out Shallow Grave. 9, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. 8, Tremors. 7, Candyman. 6, Blair Witch Project. 5, The Sixth Sense. 4, 7, 3, Scream. 2, Misery. And now number 1. Of course, it's Silence of the Lambs. I'm not even going to like try to build it up. It's obviously Silence of the Lambs, right? This movie is perfection. And I think if memory serves, it certainly was the first film to win all five of the major Oscars. And what I mean by that is like best director, best film, best screenplay, best actor, best actress, right? Like your, your top five awards, Silence of the Lambs, clean swept it. And it's the first time a horror film has ever done it. And it was the only time any film has ever done it, at least up until this point. I, I'd have to double check to find out if any other movie has done it. But Silence of the Lambs, people, like obviously the number one horror film from the 1990s. But it's also probably a top five best film, like overall from the 1990s. Obviously it's, you know, it'd probably be like maybe like number 2 because Gremlins 2 is probably number 1, right? But in all seriousness, this movie is perfection. Even if you're not a huge horror film fan, this movie is a must watch. It's so beautifully directed and the the performances from Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster they don't even feel like performances. I mean, they're it's just so so real. And everything about the movie just is, is a joy. It's just a joy to watch, which is morbid to say because the movie involves, you know, uh, Hannibal Lecter, like taking the bites out of people. But if you get beyond that, this, this story of Clary Starling and her dealing with all of her inner demons and, and the relationship she builds with this psychotic man in Hannibal Lecter, it's, it's so great. And it's obviously written, you know, and it's obviously based on the novel, but what was it Jonathan Demi or Ted Demi? Jonathan Demi, I believe. But anyway, what with Demi, we'll just call him Demi, uh, the director Demi, what, what he did with this film is just so great. And what I also love about this movie is the use of like close-ups and like extreme close-ups. And just the way like all the images are kind of like framed in the movie. It's, it's beautiful. So that's your list. Hopefully this rant hasn't been as bad um, as my previous one. So, but you know what, if you've, if you've got some feelings on my list, hit me up, let me know, send me an email, whatever, text me, leave a comment. But um, that's your lot this week. So again, thank you everybody for taking the time to listen to my, my, my rant on my top 31 favorite films, favorite horror films from the 1990s. What's on your list? Let me know. I'll see you next time with that, that ensemble episode that I promised. Take care, everybody.